and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid. I'm your host this week, Tom. I am joined, as always, by Stu. Hello. And Chris. Hello. Hello. So, obviously we have no review to do this week. Um, I mean, I think it's worth talking a little bit about the events around Imola, just because it's. I think we need to sort of bring some of it to attention. Um and discuss bits and pieces from it before we jump straight into Monaco, but... Okay. Yeah, I mean... Let's not go too crazy, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been bitten just... before by going too deep into these <laughs> There's definitely things, things worth mentioning regarding it. I mean, ultimately, cancelling the race was absolutely the right thing to do. I don't think anyone yeah. has any issue with that. I think it's... It's kind of a weird thing to praise F1 for, but I feel like when there's been stuff going on around races in the past, they've tended to wait until the last possible second to make a decision. Whereas this time they kind of pretty early in the week just made the right call, which is rare for F1 and the FIA when it comes to these sort of things. Like thinking yep. back to Melbourne a few years ago when you had fans at the gates before they were like, oh, actually, we might yeah. we might not do this one, fellas. But um, yeah. I think this one was kind of like, it was pretty obvious. It was extremely that, obvious, yeah. You know, you're yeah. going to have to cancel it. Like when, when the whole circuit's being flooded, I don't think that's, and it's like three days, four days before the race. Yeah, exactly. That's recoverable. So yeah. Send yeah. yeah. Plus, you know, you've got like things like emergency services probably had better things to think about than Agreed. a few thousand people coming to watch a race. Um, F1 have also donated a million euro to the region. Um, to help the relief funds, as have Ferrari, which is obviously very good at both of them. And I know a lot of drivers have been doing like the sort of the Twitch um, generation of drivers have been doing kind of fundraisers and stuff online in the last week, yeah. I think. Um, hats off to Yuki Tsunoda as well, who was literally out there like helping clean up because obviously the Alpha Terry factory is not far from there. And I believe he lives around there. And he was just out there helping people clean up. And it wasn't like he was out there in team gear and had like photographers and stuff. It was just someone happened to see him and took a picture with a mobile phone. He was just out there because he I wanted like to that. go and do a good thing. Yeah, I've got so yeah. much time for that. That's refreshing. Really. I think like, because I, I did see like a tweet or some news or something and I just chose not to read it because my assumption was, oh, it's probably just some social media guff yeah. that they've made him do. But actually the fact that it looks like he's done it of his yeah, own back. Just off the no completely, yeah. Sort of, yeah, no, no, no team logos or anything involved. Yeah. yeah. I've got a lot of time for that. Yeah, yeah it's a good aim. Definitely. Um, but yeah, and obviously if people want to help out, F1 have shared lots of links to like where you can donate and stuff and we'll probably drop those things in the show notes because it is just awful out there. Um, and obviously there's just more important things than race cars sometimes. So, yep. Yep. Also the right thing was done. Um, yeah. I guess we will, though, talk about there are sort of sporting implications of there being one less race. It feels like a weird thing to segue into, but we'll awkwardly do it. Um, obviously, the biggest one is that pretty much everyone had upgrades planned, which now they're in the quandary of do you bring upgrades to Monaco? Yeah. Like Mercedes have already said they're going to go ahead and bring their upgrade package to Monaco, which seems risky. Bold. <laughs> Well, they've had an extra week to produce spares and stuff, though, haven't they? So true. Yeah, I think they'll be all right. I think I think you kind of your back's against the wall. It's kind of like when's the best time to in introduce upgrades on that car? Whenever you've got them, I would say. 
Yeah, yeah different, going to be different puts, for different teams, isn't it? Yeah, it, it puts a bit of extra pressure on the drivers to not immediately go out there and break the new parts. I imagine some teams yeah. are a little more confident than others in their drivers to yeah, I was gonna treat say, the upgrades well. If you've got two drivers that you can trust not to smash, I mean, touch wood, but if you can trust two drivers <laughs> mm-hmm. not to smash up your new parts in, on the first outing in the, with them, then you, they've probably got the two drivers best for that. Mercedes, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I would, I would think so. Um, oh, they're, they're, they're probably one of the teams with the best drivers that they don't have to worry about that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. It's not like the, you know, I don't know, uh, Alpha Tauri going around with yeah. Nick DeVries. And <laughs> yes, to be fair to Yuki Tsunoda, like he's not done much crashing this season, but still like, you know. Nick DeVries has stepped up to that role. <laughs> yeah, he's crashing for both of them. <laughs> He's crashing for two. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, there's like side things like it's one less race for power unit components to survive because they were really under pressure this season for that. Slightly less budget cap pressure. Less pressure on Gasly because he has been two um, penalty points away from a race ban for quite a while now. But two of those have actually expired in the last week. So he's now only four <laughs> points away from a race ban, which is still Convenient. not a great place to be, but... He survived the worst of it. Yeah, and most of those points are probably for, I don't know, like... Track limits. Track limits or or speeding in the pit lane by like yeah. one millimetre over the line of yeah. the pit lane and then down under the speed. Yeah, we, I think we covered it at the time that the amount of penalty points he had that were for actual sort of, let's call it like... Um, racing incidents. And yeah, like actual racing incidents where he disadvantaged another driver or done something that you'd deem penalty point worthy was like one out of all of them were, were, yeah, were like nothing. worth the points as we put it yeah. classic but yeah so i mean yeah he never he never deserved to be anywhere near to a race band so at least he's kind of dodged that a little bit mm-hmm. um interestingly as well it technically means that we're now going to have five street track races in a row it obviously depends on you classing albert park and miami as street tracks which technically they are i think a better way of putting it is five not normal tracks in a row Mm. temporary circuits yeah yeah i would say like bahrain really is the only circuit that we've had that it was that was remotely and even and even bahrain like that is a little bit weird because the tarmac there is not like other circuits because of the heat of the desert it's a much more sort of durable heat proof tarmac that doesn't heat up in the same way as other circuits and doesn't have the same sort of nitty gritty roughness to it that um other circuits do so we haven't had a single race yet this season where the circuit is representative of what a normal formula one track is like imagine we get to barcelona now and just the whole order completely changes (laughs) like it could like these these tires no no I've, i've talked a lot about tires already this season like no one seems to quite have a handle exactly on what the tires are going to do on a particular race weekend so it'll be interesting going to monaco and seeing what they do there but i'm much more interested in getting to spain and seeing how the order does yeah Yeah. especially with all the upgrades and things that people are bringing that kind of leads us into a first we have inbox ball grab which we've kind of already touched on but wes said hey man will teams bring the upgrades they have planned for imla or will they wait until spain and i think yeah, I just give, given how 
close the grid is this year. Like, there's no room to stand still. I think if you want to, if you don't want to fall back, you've just got to, haven't you? You've got to take the risk. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like, the gaps between the teams are so small this year. And like Stu was saying before, though, some, some of the teams will almost need the gain, even if it's only small at a place like Monaco. Some, like... Mercedes, they just want to get anything on it that they can that will give them yeah. any advantage. That get they can. mileage, yeah, mileage yeah. on it, and yeah. just just thing. even start to understand them, even if it's not a full understanding. At least they've got some idea of of the positive or negative impact something's having on it as a change. Yeah, and cert- obviously certain teams are bringing much bigger updates than other teams as well. If you bring in yeah. just like new bits, aero bits, or a Monaco specific aero package, then obviously then that's that's going to be your aero package. I think the interesting thing about Mercedes is not only are they, you know, vastly upgrading and well upgrading, updating their car. Jury's out on whether it'll be an upgrade or not. Um, yeah. They've, they're obviously going to throw all the downforce on it for this circuit because it's not a power circuit, it's a, yeah. it's a grip circuit. So it'll be interesting to see what that car is. going to be very interesting to see what that car looks like. I, I reckon yeah. it's going to have so much wing on it compared to even yeah. maybe compared to the other front runners. I think they're going to run a lot of wing this weekend. I'm interested to see what they do to that car to try and salvage it because they're saying all the right <laughs> things that they you know, have a direction, they sort of know what they want to do. So Yeah. 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 Um <laughs> right, I'm gonna move on to a weird bit of tangential news here, but it's pretty pretty interesting in of itself. And that is once again we've got rumors of a return of A1 GP. <laughs> um so framework doesn't news know week. it. <laughs> I, I genuinely think this is actually really interesting. So A1GP, for those people who don't know, was a single series series that ran between 2005 and 2009. Pretty much ever since then, like every couple of years, there's been some kind of like rumor of somebody wanting to bring it back. Mm. But this is this is definitely the version of that rumor that's got the most substance I've ever seen by by quite a way, actually. Um so it kind of styled itself as a World Cup of motorsport. So all of the teams were a nationality. In theory, the driver was rather that nationality, but in practice, they didn't have to be. So you got weird things hmm. like I was looking down the driver list earlier, and it's got like Graham Rahal driving for Lebanon and just really <laughs> weird pairings <laughs> like that. Um, but you had like so Sergio Perez did it for a while, Sebastian Buemi, Kroon Chandok, yeah. Nico Hulkenberg won a bunch of races. Even Joss Verstappen ended it for a while. Like, if you look down the list of names, most of them are recognizable. If not for drivers that made it to F1, they made it to IndyCar, or they popped up in GP2 and stuff. Um, they managed four seasons, and then it collapsed. Surprise, surprise, for financial troubles, and ultimately got liquidated. Um, but yeah, so there's now these rumors of it coming back, with the project being led by Marsan Bukowski, who you'll probably remember as Alpine team principal for a few seasons. Yeah, and before he was that, all... he was an FIA technical delegate. Yes, yeah. he was technical coordinator or something like that, I think he was. So, yeah, a, something a guy technical who's... in the FIA. Yeah. Something, something technical. Um, <laughs> and he, it's been backed by a guy called Sir Keith Mills, who was the, he led the uh, London 2012 Olympics campaign which obviously was very successful. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, he's also the man who started uh, Nectar Points, for those of you in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> what um, a trio of things to point uh, Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. If, if Nectar you Points, what... the London 2012 games, and 
return of A1GP. <laughs> if, you if you don't know what a nectar point is, think of it as like a rewards card for just yeah. spending money at certain places. And if yeah. you know, there's all kinds of them all over the world. If you buy your your groceries from Sainsbury's, say, then you'll get nectar points yeah. instead of having like a Tesco's club card points, which you know won't know what that is either. If you're not in the club, <laughs> doesn't really. But I we think have. you get the idea. That might be the weirdest tangent we've ever been on. Um, <laughs> Also involved is Origin Sports Group, their investment firm that's done stuff with like America's Cup and Invictus Games. Uh, Mike Gascoigne is apparently involved on the uh, technical side, who is just an absolute veteran of F1. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so apparently they're already in talks with lots of investors aiming to raise $100 million to start things off. Um, Weirdly, the story said that they are in talks with Perfecta, I'll try that again. They're in talks with prospective engine and car manufacturers. And then the story also says they've got a working prototype. And both of those things can't be true. So I'm not sure exactly where well, these... Well, I mean, they could have. They, cause they I mean, could I guess they could. a prototype using an engine from elsewhere and just, you know, yeah. something that they can show manufacturers and say, this is the car, this is how fast it goes with the engine that we've got in it. With your yeah, engine. I suppose so. Um, but they're talking about it being like, over 200 mile an hour cars, second only to F1 in terms of speed. They're open wheel, open cockpits. Um, what are they doing to differentiate it from Formula One? Anything in particular, or is it just. I mean, the their big selling point was always the whole World Cup of motorsport. They're very much on the like people like to support their nation side yeah, of things. I, I don't, but yeah. Yeah. Not, I'm not tuning in for that reason. <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's not, that doesn't feel very motorsport, does it? Like, other than Race of Champions, I can't think of another thing that. Yeah. It's weird because nationality is a big thing in motorsport. It's always like, you know, you're on the podium and have your flagging national anthem and stuff. But yeah. I, I don't know, having the team, having it go as far as the teams and drivers feels a little bit weird. Um, they did say they'd try and probably do what they used to, which is run it from like, december to june july so they don't actually try and directly compete with f1 and they don't have clashes yeah. which is sensible i, I w- for me like if you're going to try and differentiate it from from what you want then make it and un- just make a cra- crazy crazy car that's like super yeah. super grippy and has probably a relatively simple engine in the back of it do all the things that all of the formula one fans complain that formula one doesn't do so like you've got your, yeah. you know, you've got your V8 faction or V10 faction, stick a V10 in the back of it. You, you know, you've got a lot of regulations in that Formula One trying to slow the cars down. I think just give them a car like the Red Bull um, X 2019 that they did in Gran <laughs> That was kind of like mm-hmm. a closed cockpit, closed wheels, adaptive aero, crazy underfloor downforce do something do something mental like don't they, just differentiate differentiate yourself by saying oh it's the nation's league yeah. it's yeah. not that exciting it's not well, interesting the car needs were, to be different and exciting there were some like v8s or v10s the last time around i think weren't they i think that, that was V8s sort of the era right, that we were yeah. in anyway so it yeah it was probably the same or similar spec engine to what formula one was working to at the time in in retrospect but yeah, I've, if they return to something like that, or well, I've seen talk of them like wanting to go down the sort of synthetic fuel route, which sounds to me like 
we're going to use big loud V8s, but we're going to still have green credentials by using synthetic fuels. I mean, I which, wouldn't be opposed to that. I mean, it's there's worse. I've heard it worse before, though. I've, I've heard it before. Formula One do it already. So again, like, there's nothing here that's making me yeah. go. I will watch this instead of Formula One, or, or I will supplement my Formula One or my motorsport watching with this. It's not. I, I feel like without doing anything particularly special with the car, I just don't think it's it's going to grab my attention. Because mm. the fact that this has come come up again feels a lot to me like jumping on the drive to survive growth of motorsport in general bandwagon. Yeah, but as no, you say, you need to offer. That. Well, yeah, a little bit, but you need to offer something that's going to draw people in. You can't, you can't just yeah. turn up and do Formula One, but with flags. Like, yeah, exactly, and that's what this feels like. To me, it yeah. just feels it like Formula One with a spec car and flags. Yeah, yeah. So it would be a spec series, which would obviously make it the only way that works. Is if ways, the spec, but... if the the only way it works is it for me is if the spec car is insane. Yeah, but if they do the things that Formula One have been afraid to do in the past, that's how this thing mm. can differentiate yeah. itself. And it's like you, you you like Formula One, then you'll love this. It's, it should be like that. <laughs> it shouldn't be you like Formula One, you might enjoy this. Yeah, <laughs> like no? there, there are definitely open goals for things F one does badly that another series can come along and do a better job of. So yeah, yeah. Something to keep an eye on. I'm, I'm interested to see what actually gets announced and what they are aiming to do with this. Um, I remain extremely sceptical because, as I say, this this sort of story has cropped up every few years since about 2009. But yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the names mind, behind like, this sound impressive, at least. Yeah, they're good names. It sounds like they've got a decent crew of people to to launch it. But I think, yeah, just and you know there is room in my life for a winter motor racing series for sure oh, yeah. like I'd, 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 I'd quite yeah. happily watch motor racing over the winter as long as it was different from point i don't want more formula one and when you think how long the f1 calendar is anyway yeah. what did we say it was december to july so Formula One calendar ends end of november i think this year yeah and it goes until you got the off season until march usually it'll be early to mid-March, I would say, next season, if they're mm-hmm. going to add even more races. Um, so there's still quite a big overlap. There's like two months of overlap in in a over the course of five mo- five-month season. It, well, six, six seven-month season. Actually, there's not that much overlap, I suppose. But still, like people are not going to watch the end of the A1 GP series because they're going to have moved over to F1 already. Yeah. I was about to say, yeah, they'll get lots of viewers in December, January, February, and then March comes around and F1 starts and it'll just tail off completely. Yeah. yeah. I think if they could do it December to March and have it as a shorter season mm. and compress it a bit, and because, and, you know, they say they're going to run a race season from december to july but how many actual races are they going to have in that time you know is it going to be yeah. one race a month are there only going to be seven races or is it going to be six, seven or eight races or is it going to be more than that are they going to go for 10 15 20 races so it's also going to be interesting where the race given that mm. time of year schedule because i mean even when you look at even when you look at southern hemisphere motorsports my example being something like supercars in australia even that runs march to october i think it like runs pretty much the same time as f1 yeah and 
they're on the like opposite seasonal. I mean, yes, it's a very different climate, but you know what I mean? Like, where are they going to run December through? Yeah, yeah. Like Australia, they're gonna have Other like eight, Australia. eight rounds in Australia. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, they've got enough circuits. Brisbane. Maybe it'll be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's basically maybe that's what A one is. It's Australia one GP. That's what it is. <laughs> We've cracked it. We've seen through. Sorted, sorted. There can just be a support series for um, Aussie supercars. Yeah, <laughs> done. <laughs> I'll be right with that. Yeah. Um, speaking of interesting spec series, did, did you watch any of? Indy 500 qualifying. All I know no. is that McLaren are looking fairly decent this year. McLaren are looking very good this year. It was ridiculously close. Um, yeah. Sir Alex Pelot's on pole. His four lap average speed was 234.217 miles per hour, which is the fastest ever pole time. Reading's VK in second was 0.006 miles per hour behind which works out to four thousandths of a second across four laps, which is 10 miles, which is ludicrously close. Wow. Um, yeah, the whole top six was ridiculous. But yeah, McLaren, so Rosenquist was third, Ward fifth, Rossi seventh, Canon ninth. So they are well up there. Um, and all through practice, just the whole sort of top sort of 10 or so have just been incredibly close. So it's sizing up to be a... A pretty good race, I think. Just, Can I say to... something potentially offensive? <laughs> Never know stop you. I don't know why it doesn't. I don't know why they bother doing qualifying for the Indy 500. We were talking a little bit about this the other day, actually. It's it feels a bit like Le Mans 24 hour qualifying, doesn't it? Like yeah. it's a nice to have, I suppose, but ultimately a race that long, it doesn't matter that much. Yeah. Um and and in a series that is a spec series, it's it's not like someone's going to put it on pole and just run away with it with a supercar. Yeah, exactly. So even well, like even the trophy they got for pole, like the Indy Five Hundred winners trophy, is probably like second only to what's the ice hockey one, the Stanley Cup Stanley in terms Cup. of just ludicrously yeah. giant trophy. And then he got his pole position trophy, and it was like. He could like put it in his hand luggage to take it home, kind of thing. Like even the trophy knows it's kind of unimportant. <laughs> Does it just say sorry all the way around? <laughs> it's it? just a shrugging emoji. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you want to watch the actually important bit, uh, the race is this Sunday. It's after Monaco, uh, twelve forty-five local time, which is five forty-five for us here in the UK, which is a a fairly Sociable time for us over here. Um, yeah. It's it's a really, even if you don't watch IndyCar in general, the 500 is just its own weird beast of a race to watch. It's 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 very interesting. I'm quite looking forward to it. Two, two randomly related things to that conversation. One, did you know the Stanley Cup was made in Sheffield? I did not Sheffield know that. As a fun yeah. fact. There you go. Number two, did you see Callum Eilert's amazing speed during... I can't remember if it was practice or quality. Did you see... Yes. Did you see basically, there's one. Every, there's usually one every year where, like, the time the timing triggers glitch. And it said that Callum Eilert had done a lap at something like 75 million miles per hour or something because <laughs> it had glitched over the line. And I just remember... I, the reason I found out about it is because he he tweeted the screenshot and just put... 
rookies <laughs> and it is like, quite a good tweet but yeah there's usually one a year where someone's done like a million miles per hour because of the way it's worked he did a really good job actually Callum Oilock, yeah yeah he is had his, they had all kinds of problems or third year in over there now second, second i think yeah. yeah um they had all kinds of problems with his car and they had to like pack a load of the practice and testing time into basically said they had 12 laps to do what everyone else had done across three days um yeah and yeah he still still made it onto the grid um which is very good also uh catherine leg made it onto the grid as well um yes. she not pops up just to do this one race quite a, quite often so yeah good to see yeah. her on there as well yeah um, and then last little thing before I move on to, well, it is it is a Monaco thing, but it's Formula 3 related. And that is the fact that not only is Formula 3 finally back this year, because I've not had a race since Melbourne at the beginning of April. So they're yeah, all going to be yeah. quite rusty. This is also going to be the first Formula 3 race in Monaco in 18 years. Um, really? It is. For context, the last person to win Monaco in Formula 3 machinery was Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> Does that include GP3? I'm yep. assuming. They That's interesting. Yeah. Oh, it's, norm- that- it's normally F2, well, GP2 and Porsche Super Cup, isn't it, that go to Monaco? Yeah, and they did have for a few years um some Formula 3000 there, yeah. but um yeah, for the most part there's been nothing lower spec than F2 there in a very long time. So mm. yeah, Formula 3 drivers who've not raced in the best part of 2 months send them around monaco what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> that's gonna be fun i mean that, that that's something i'm tuning into where yeah, i wouldn't for sure. one, one of those things i would normally kind of catch up on in between other things i think that one i might actually stick it on live this week yeah definitely <laughs> which brings us on to onto monaco proper yeah um should we do some some storylines some things we're looking at for us i'll take us through some storylines so um the first one this week is slight risk of rain across the whole weekend. So the Formula 3 and Formula 2 races could get very interesting mm. um, and qualifying and practice and all of it. Um, so that's an exciting prospect for everyone. Um, that 20% would, chance uh, for the race, I think I saw. Yeah, I mean, that means it won't rain in Formula 1 world. Pro- providing the lights work, because we all know in Monaco the lights don't work <laughs> yeah. properly when it rains. Well, hopefully they've learned from that, that they're <laughs> Formula 1 and sometimes there are races outside. Um yeah, so who do you think's got the most to gain from there being a wet session? Say a wet race or a wet quali. Who's 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 best placed to to take advantage of that? I feel like at a circuit like this, in terms of like what it alters, it doesn't alter as much because of the unique kind of setting that Monaco puts you in anyway. Like we always talk about rain being an equalizer, but the Monaco circuits in itself is a bit of an equalizer because yeah. it's a very you take a very different car there, and it's very very unique in that sense. So mm. the only thing that I think it'll cause is probably more mistakes. People, it's going to be a combination of people wanting to be out there first to make sure they don't get caught in any incidents or have voided lap times, but also people wanting to be out there last at the same time to make sure they're there when the circuit's at its best from people running on yeah. it. So there's, I think there's going to be a lot of laps set in comparison to what you might normally see somewhere like this. Yeah. Lots of traffic. Um, I mean, Verstappen and Hamilton, the obvious answers when you talk about wet weather driving. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go out on a limb and say 
Lance Stroll, I think, would probably benefit from he's done a decent wet race in the rain as well. Before. He's a yeah. he's a decent wet weather driver. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Interesting. Yeah, I think I think you'd probably cover I think Alonso's always in the yeah. race as well. Yeah. Um next storyline is will we actually see some action now the now F1 are finally doing the broadcast themselves. So if you didn't know this, um if you're listening, you didn't know this. The broadcasters of the Monaco Grand Prix are usually the Automobile Club de Monaco, I believe. Yeah, right. um, yeah. And for many, many years, they've done it. It was the only race that Formula One didn't do all of the production for. And that has now changed. So um, instead of the Auto Club de Monaco cutting away at stupid times, it'll be the F one formula one management <laughs> cutting away at stupid times because they're both, they're both guilty of it i don't know i don't know yeah. why this is even a story to be honest i think they're both they're both rude like the you know the way the way they religiously the f the way form religiously cut away on the third lap every single race regardless of what is going on in front, yeah cut away yeah. and show a replay of what's happening they do it so doggedly and it's just so ridiculous. It's like, no, there's things happening. I want to see what's happening. Um, yes, there was the big howler that at the Monaco Grand Prix where we just saw a shot of Stroll going yeah. along <laughs> what, right in the middle of the only point of action in the race. Yeah. And that is a, yeah, it's a bit of a howler. But then you can say the same about from, you know, middle of an overtake, cutting away to the crowd cheering. It's like, whoa, whoa, hang on. I want to see this overtake actually happen. I don't want to see just some fans. So, you know, um, they're both just as bad as each other. I don't really, personally, I don't see a big, a big, uh, as, as an audience member, I don't think we'll notice any difference. It's, it's one of those things where I always feel like Monaco has been worse for this sort of thing, but is that just because I know it's someone different doing it? So I'm looking for it. Subconscious, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I think it probably maybe. is, to be honest. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's that one. Uh, the next one is can Alonso do the unthinkable and beat the Red Bulls? Um, what do you think? I think he's capable of it. I think it's, if this is, if he's going to do it anywhere, I think this is the track yeah. he's going to do it. He's certainly capable of it, but as I see my own face in this camera shot, I notice I'm inadvertently wearing my Alonso. Damn cap. it, Tom! Why would you do that? <laughs> so as I as I look at myself in the camera, I sort of think. Yeah, he can, but he won't. <laughs> what what era Alonso cap is that though? This is uh, this is when he was retiring the first time because he's got all his wins underneath. Look, there you go. Oh, okay. Think. It might be dated enough to not have the negative effect then. We'll um, see. I mean, when savage. he bin, when he bins it into a wall and the curse becomes real, yeah, then we we all know who to blame. It, it stands true. Yeah, come get I me. I do think he's, I do think he's got a real chance though. Like. The, the Red Bull has been, although they've got, f- I think, four out of five pole positions this season, haven't they, Red they have, Bull? Yeah. yeah. They have. They always look beatable in qualifying. Like, yeah. yeah, their qualifying pace is nowhere near what their race pace is. Their big advantage comes from DRS. That's basically a non-event in uh, Monaco. Um, yeah, I, th- I, I think they're very beatable. I think this is the most beatable Red Bull will have been all season. I, I think so too. I think that they yeah. they're probably Red Bull themselves are probably looking at this race, going, "This is this is a vulnerable one for us. If we if we win this one, we'll win the championship." <laughs> Which is weird because <laughs> in the in the Mercedes dominance years, 
this was always the race that Red Bull managed to nick off Mercedes. Yeah, it was the one that Mercedes struggled at, exactly. Yeah. I I do find it interesting, you sort of touched on it there, but this year there is something particularly different about that Red Bull, which is in the past they used to not necessarily have brilliant race pace, but they would always have one lap pace. And think back to like the Seb Vettel era, they built that car to get on pole and then let him sort of kind of drive away with it a little bit. Mm, And whereas now it's definitely more about race pace and race management and they utilize in sort of just the sheer pace of the drivers to get on the front row more than anything. And that, I think that's one of the reasons qualifying has been kind of as tight as it's like what we're seeing kind of top 10, maybe even top 15 covered by like, not more than a second and a half in in reality when all, all times are in. So I guess, the question is, as Macheco has just said in the chat, is that just them setting up the car for the race, knowing that if they don't get on the front row, oh, well, they've got the race pace to overtake everybody. Yeah. Agreed. So maybe this weekend we'll see a lot more qualifying pace out of that. Yeah. but Yeah, it's possible. Um, but um, on to the next one. Will Mercedes updates leave them struggling for pace or will they make the difference at a tight and twisty <laughs> Monaco? It's so difficult when we don't know what the upgrades are. Yeah. I was really excited for the last... Well, for for Emilia Romagna, the thing that I was most gutted about, you know, as sad as the whole situation is there, like the thing that as a Formula One fan that that sort of disappointed me the most was the fact that I wasn't going to get to see all these new upgrades for the new (laughs) cars. Yeah. Because you can't help but be excited to see what difference they're going to make and if it's going to close up the championship. Um, So, yeah, it's exciting to see those upgrades this race i think well, we'll get we'll actually see them on wednesday but yeah there should be there'll yeah. be loads of photos around and the news wires will be buzzing with what's going on um who knows what's going to happen to mercedes race weekend though eh it's going to be such a hard read as well though like if they suddenly turn up an hour fast we're going to be left thinking but is that just because it's monaco because it's yeah. so different yeah it's a very very difficult one I was going to say, we'll have to look out for um, those then, um, those diagrams they have to release where they show off what the new parts are. But there was yeah, that one right. last year where, I can't which team it was, they just drew a big circle around the entire car because they had that many updates. So we might not find <laughs> much out from that. Yeah. Um, the next one is, where will Ferrari end up as all this shakes out? There's not been much talk about Ferrari really from us, especially um, other than that they're not where they need to be. But they have had, you know, they're the only team to beat Red Bull in qualifying. So uh, does Leclerc or Sainz have just as much chance as Alonso of beating the Red Bulls to pole this weekend? I feel like I can tell you one place Charles Leclerc will end up at some point this weekend, and that's the the outside of the exit of a swimming pool. <laughs> yeah, the exit. The, because at least the, once the a year, pool, yeah. at least once a year coming out of the swimming pool section, he bins it into the outside wall. It, it used Usually to in practice. Well, it's the pair of them. It's the pair of them trying to take too much speed through that chicane and basically get usually more often than not it's getting too much of the inside curb on the exit and it launching them into yeah. the wall on a couple of occasions i think they've both clipped the inside of the first bit of the chicane on the on the swimming pool itself well, and like and then, and then and then it's it. yeah and it's then caused them to career into the wall but usually between the two of them they hit the exit of that corner at least once i do so. love that amazing high mo shot that they use where the car yeah. like comes in and it just 
you see the front, yeah. the, the sort of rubber of the wheel across the top of it, just brush across the back, like the, just touch it. Not even like leaving a mark, but just like caresses the barrier. Yeah. There was um, there was a year recently in the last, I'm sure it was the last couple of years, where the Sky sent Martin Brundle down to basically yes. stand in that corner and they were going through underneath him. My word, did that look impressive. Just the sheer, it, it like, like it looks woman. fast anyway. It looks fast anyway. But when you see it from that angle, how quick they go through that corner, but it's just mind boggling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, through the chicane in general, it's just absolutely mind boggling. I think it's my favorite shot in Formula One. The, yeah, I was about to say, looking thing, down yeah. into the, the first part of the chicane in the swimming pool where they go yeah. left, right, and it's just such a rapid change of direction. They don't look real going yeah. through there. They, the rapid, the change of direction is so, so quick that they literally don't look like physics. It doesn't look your eyes. Yeah, it doesn't look possible, it does doesn't it? Look right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. It's really, yeah. really amazing. I love that. Um, I I don't know if the modern era of F one cars are the same, but I know certainly with the last generation that the optimum setup for the swimming pool was that you had it, you had the car just loose enough so that as you turned in to the left, your back end stepped out ever so slightly. And then as it gripped up again, it sort of shot you into the corner. And that was like the, op- that, I remember reading an article about that's kind of the optimum setup to be able to take the swimming pool section as fast nice. as possible. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, my, my final storyline, which I haven't actually written down, but um, the, the Perez-Verstappen battle is obviously mm. still, still, still going. That, that battle is not over despite what Formula 1 press seem to want you to think. Um <laughs> Yeah, that that's still alive and kicking for sure. We're only five races into the season, and you know, if fight me in the comments if you think that Max Verstappen has already won this championship. Because <laughs> I don't. I really mean, Perez that. is defending Monaco winner, right? Like, yeah, yeah. The guy's good there. I mean, we talked about this being a, a season of street races. If that's going to suit anyone, it's going to suit Sergio <laughs> Perez. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So, yeah, he's got a good chance of uh, reeling in some points on his teammate this weekend. And, um, yeah, let's hope for Checo that he can do it and keep that championship live. Very much so. Predictions. With all that said, shall I run us through some predictions? Yes. Yes. So, um, if anyone wants to get involved with this after hearing it, you can head to backofthegrid.com and sign up if you haven't played with us before. Or if, if you're you feeling have, really brave, do on. your predictions before we do our predictions. See how many <laughs> points you score now. Yeah, pause the pause podcast. The podcast yeah. Go to backofthegrid.com, register or sign in, and do the predictions now. And Unless you're listen listening live the in the Discord, then you'll have to wait five minutes until we've drawn <laughs> the random driver, then do them. So maybe just like, I don't know, Plug your ears or something. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only way you're not going to be able okay. to do it. Let's go. <laughs> right. Fastest in Q3, first and foremost. Stu, who are you going with? Oh, man, it's a tough one, Monaco. Ugh. Um, I would be rushing myself if I was not the person making this prediction, but I am buying myself time to try and... I'll go first. Of- I'll let okay. Stu thinking time. Chris. Fernando Alonso. Ooh, nice. He's doing it. And just to push Stu even further, I'm going to say Sergio Perez. So we're back on you, Stu, immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go Leclerc then. Shall I hope you enjoy that extra second and a half of thinking time we gave you. Yeah. And for, for selfishly trying to buy time on your first choice, you can go first because <laughs> you didn't technically go first this time. Winner. I, f- I think it'll be Leclerc. I think the... It, Leclerc double. I, I'm going to go... It's the one race that you have to go for the double, I think, with yeah. predictions here. 
Yeah, it has to be. I'm going Alonso. And I'm going to do the same with Perez. So that was easy. Ooh. First DNF. Do you know what? I've got the hat on. It's going to really upset Chris and probably a lot of people, but I'm just going to say Alonso because I've got the hat on. Damn. Maybe you so, trying to score a point from it will cancel it out. Hopefully. Hopefully <laughs> I can break badly the we're curse. scoring this season. <laughs> hopefully I can break the curse. Um, Chris, you can go next on this one. What rookies have we got this year? Um, Piastri and... De Vries. DeVries, technically. And De Vries. Oh, De Vries. I, I, I mean, I know, I know Stu's picking I anyway. I feel really bad, but I think I do have to say De Vries. Okay, what really about you, Stu? Sadly... I he's think doing the same. The smart money is on De Vries. Ironically, it's probably the circuit on the calendar that he's got the most recent experience of because Formula E have been using the full circuit for the last few seasons. Yeah, true. That's true. True. Uh, I mean, it might be num- amazing. <laughs> Could be. Uh, number of finishes. Chris, do you want to go first on this one? 18. I'm going high. Ooh, that's, that's, that's high. Although, to be fair, the last couple of Monaco GPs, yeah. I feel like we have had a decent number of finishes and all the accidents have generally come in practice or quality, generally speaking. Too easy these days, F1. <laughs> that said, I'm going to go 17, <laughs> slightly lower. What about you, Stu? I'm going 16. 16. And then generate that random driver for us, Chris. A random driver this week, Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> let's, let's assess those updates boys oh my goodness i'm just gonna throw it out there straight away and put sixth i think the car will be okay but not good enough to compete with the other guys at the front and he'll just be chasing them i'm gonna say third Ooh. A podium from Steele. He's he's very good around here, so I'm going to say third. My thinking, similar to yours, Tom. I will say fifth. Fifth. Okay. I just think so, the car's less of a factor around here mm-hmm. than De- the definitely, driver. definitely. Um. So yeah, it's that really re- important that obviously, sorry, it's really important that he gets yeah. on top of the what's basically going to be a new car. <laughs> yeah, it, dep- it depends on how that feels underneath him doesn't it so if you want to um, but, see how um much a driver can make a difference in monaco go find a video of robert kubitza nearly sticking on pole in a bmw that was not a front row car i can't remember what year it was but yeah he he very nearly got a pole position in a pretty yeah pretty average car yeah definitely uh, and if you want to submit your predictions as we were saying before head to back of the grid.com where you can register or sign into your existing account. Um, and if you want to join in any of our fantasy leagues, there's links on there to Grid Rival and the official F1 fantasy game, where we've got leagues on both. So hit those up as well if you want to join our leagues there. With that being said, should we do some inbox, gentlemen? Let's. Yes. Shall I go, go first? first. Yeah, I'll go, go first. first. Uh, from Max. Hey, man. Do you think we'll see any more on-track overtakes at Monaco than we did at Imola 2023? <laughs> uh, alternatively, will TV footage be significantly improved now it's under control of FOM and not in-house TV direction? We've sort of already done the second part. Overtaking at Monaco this weekend? Not in these cars. I think little to none, unfortunately. 
too big. Can't run yeah. as close as they could. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just not last there. year in a season of many overtakes. I think it was the least overtake. I think there was like yeah, one or two. It was. <laughs> yeah, it was very few. I think, in fact, that was the one where it was they cut away to stroll just piddling around. Yeah, and the one overtake. one overtake that was the one single overtake the entire race. So, yeah, I think it'll be very, very few overtakes this race. Yes, as is usually the case, qualifying is going to be the bulk of the excitement this weekend. Yeah, yep. Uh, next one from Corey Zilla Zombie Killer says, How do you feel about the fourth proposed race in the US? I think it's totally the wrong thing to do. This is this is still a question. Um, <laughs> the US doesn't need two races, in my opinion, let alone three. And I'm an American. Um, it puts unnecessary stress on the teams, drivers, and just logistically, it's hard for everyone, on everyone involved. Breaks the mold of the races held in the same region for different parts of the season. The only exception before being Canada. Um, I don't, I don't have a huge problem with there being three races there. I don't necessarily think they're the right three places to be racing, but I think the idea of there being three races in America, I don't necessarily have a problem with, um, a fourth one is definitely too much. I think, I think this comes off the back of talk of a, a New York, New York race has kind of yeah. bubbled up again. Um, I, a bigger problem is the fact that they have three races there, and they obviously get yeah, there's Canada, there's Mexico, and there is Brazil, all kind of in that same sort of time zone, and they're all kind of separated. Or a lot of them are separated out throughout the year. Like if you're going to mm-hmm. have that many races in one sort of part of the world, at least. See, put them if, a bit close yeah, together um, on the calendar. I would also say location-wise, I mean, the people of the southern states may disagree with me here, but <laughs> rather than having like Vegas, Texas, Florida, which are all just kind of in a line across the bottom half of the country, why not drop one of those for New York so that there is yeah. a race in those northern states? Because somewhere between Montreal and, you know, having to go down to Cota or something, because surely there's a bunch of fans in like, you know, the Midwest or something that would love to get to a race, but Montreal and Texas are both a bit too far and like <laughs> something along that East Coast is maybe, I don't know. My, my geography is not necessarily that on point, but I feel like there must be some F1 fans kind of stuck in Central America there that would much prefer something up that part rather yeah. than having to go all the way to Montreal or all the way down to Texas and stuff. I think the biggest concern mm. for me isn't necessarily like the specific location in North America or anywhere in the world for that matter. I think what's most important is that the circuits are good and they True. create good racing yeah. and create a yeah. good Formula One race. And, and, you know, think about the actual racing rather than think about all the pomp and ceremony and silliness. When you look at Miami and all the faff that they've got going on around it, it's just like, I want to watch a good Formula One race. I don't really, I'm a, I'm a purist. I don't really care about you know, will I am conducting an orchestra before the race. I want to see the cars going around the track and I want to see action on track and I want to see them go to tracks that promote that kind of racing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I get that there are other interests in Formula One and that there's a different different, different crowds want different things and stuff and different countries have different sort of preferences as the way they run their Formula One races. But ultimately, I think it should be about the fans, not necessarily about what a particular promoter thinks. Yeah. So, mm. and it shouldn't necessarily even be about what's going to make them. It, this might sound silly, but like 
it's not necessarily about what's going to make them the most money short term. It's about going to tracks and making, giving fans a real show and real racing. And I think yeah. some of the, some of the decisions that have been made in recent years about new, newer races have not necessarily had that in the forefront of their mind. And I think that needs to change for the longevity of the sport. Yeah. yeah like obviously we haven't seen what the Vegas circuit's going to provide yet. But looking at that circuit map, I'm not holding out much hope for that being a particularly exactly. interesting race. The Miami yeah. circuit, okay, this year it produced a, an all right race, but it's still pretty uninspiring. And when you've got places like Indianapolis with the the infield course, which is great, like update Watkins Glen to get it a grade one license. Oh, like that's such a good track. Yeah. Anybody would take Watkins Glen over. I think a lot of people take Watkins going over Cota, to be honest, and that's the best of the three that they currently have. Like, you take it over New York, for sure. Yeah, yeah. for sure. It's, it's if you're going to have a race in that anyway. part of the world, we don't need another street track. Yeah, it it's not that far from New York. Just go go yeah. to the Glen. Hashtag yeah. go to the Glen. That's this year's <laughs> campaign. We're, we're starting one. it. <laughs> Next one. Uh, Jose says, Hey, man, with the seemingly backward step in how well cars can follow each other around a track, do we expect Monaco to... Monaco to be a ball fest again this year. Will they have fixed their starting lines for this year too? <laughs> <laughs> yes and yes. Someone's someone's gaffer yeah. taping a tarp over the top of the lights right now, just in case it rains. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. I, do, I can't see much happening in the way of racing, unfortunately. The, and yeah, the only passing place really for F1 cars these days is out of the tunnel down into the chicane mm-hmm. and even that is like you've got to just bully your way past yeah yeah you're throwing out. it up the inside yeah. or something to, to make that work uh okay, next one next from benson hey man in which season do you think charlotte in which session sorry do you think charlotte Clover will put it into the wall this weekend <laughs> in which season uh-huh. he answers all of them a, um a fellow optimist <laughs> q3 <laughs> It feels Ooh. like a Q3 thing, doesn't it? Q- Q3 whilst ha- holding the fastest lap. Yeah, that's my <laughs> that's prediction. His, that's his usual form, isn't it? Get the fastest yeah, lap Q3, and then stick it in a wall. While he's fastest and Verstappen needs to get a lap in. Yeah. Oh yeah. dear, I appear to have hit the wall and my car I am stopped. stupid. Oh no, I am stupid. Or am I? <laughs> I definitely don't think Perez will be having uh, an upsie. <laughs> Definitely an accident crash again this year after uh, <laughs> yeah. how that nearly destroyed their relationship. Yeah. Uh, next one. Next um, one. From Jay Alexander. Hey, man, is this getting a bit old now? No, it's Never. not. Jay Alexander. Never. Um, with McLaren looking good for the Indy 500, are there any other teams that you would like to see try their hand at other series and which series in particular? Oh, that's a good question. Interesting. That's a good one. I have a quick fire answer for this if you want one. Go, go for it. So for Mercedes to enter the new spec of Le Mans with something similar to yes. what they did with Project One, because nice. Project One probably isn't that far away from being Le Mans hypercar spec. Hypercar, yeah. So for them to actually build a Project One that is to hypercar spec for Le Mans, that's a quick answer for me. It's a good That'd one. Be good. I'm going to say Ferrari to IndyCar, but as a Ooh. engine manufacturer as well as a team. 
which is it's, it's one of the things every time Ferrari threatens to leave F1, that's always one of the things they threaten to do. Like, oh, we'll just go into IndyCar instead and build engines there. So do it. Go, go, go yeah. do IndyCar. Yeah. Oof. Wow. This is, you've left me nothing on the <laughs> table. Uh, yeah. Who? Uh, ooh, it's difficult. Um, I'm thinking World Rally and I'm thinking. Uh, Williams in World Rally Championship would be maybe interesting, but they've I mean, got their hands tied with Formula. They can barely afford to run a Formula One team, so it's probably <laughs> not going to happen. It happened um, once before to some degree, didn't it? They made that special edition clear. That was a WRX spec. Oh yeah, WRC spec. No, it wasn't. No, 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 no. Was it just? Was it just a based on the F1 stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, uh, I thought it had rally rally stuff in it. Maybe not. No, no, because it had Williams F1 written down the side of it. Uh, I'd like to see Aston Martin do any more stuff uh, now. They're like upgrading yeah. all their facilities and growing. Um, I'm not sure what Aston would do. Yeah, I mean they're already doing. You know, they've already an Aston Martin hypercar would be cool as well. To be it fair. would, because they kind Aston of Martin. was with the Valkyrie that they made in association yeah. with Red Bull, and yeah. then the Red Bull and Aston Martin but, relationship went sour. So that car yeah, just that kind was, of went away. That was kind of like an X ninety. It's almost a Red Bull X nineteen kind of vibe like it it, yeah. it was like a real life manifestation i think of what yeah. that car would be because it was adrian new design yeah, so yeah it was give adrian new a like, blank piece of paper and say do whatever yeah. you want it was yeah. i guess it was similar vibes to what mclaren did with the f1 wasn't it because that's what they did with um oh, god remind me his name can you remember the head designer from mclaren at the time oh it's uh come... gordon murray gordon murray, thank you gordon murray that that was the same sort of thing of go design the most ambitious road car that you can think of. And that's kind of what that was. Not quite the same. And he said, cool, three seats is plenty, right? Yeah. <laughs> I still find that cool to this day, the fact that you've got the centralised driver's seat yeah. with the two passenger seats behind so that you can actually get so three good. people in it. I do think that's just a cool that's little quirk cool. of the F1. Nice. And that is it for Inbox. So thanks for that, gentlemen. I'm going to take just a moment to do a little bit of self-charity drive plug. So oh, yeah. um, I'm with some colleagues from work to support a charity that helped my business partner's child while she was very ill last year, uh, the Sick Children's Trust. I'm going to be doing what is a 24-mile, 38-kilometer uh, hike around three kind of, I want to call them mountains. They're probably not really high enough to be called mountains, but... Three seven hundred meter plus peaks. The mini mountains, probably <laughs> big hills, um, <laughs> and that'll be taking place on the second of June. So there's myself and Andrew who it's to support, and then there's a bunch of my team from from my business sort of joining us to help support us as well. Um, so if anyone out there would like to support us, please do. Um, you can head to my link, which is just donate.tomking.uk, which will take you through to our just giving page. Um, just a heads up, it is all in Andrew's name because it's for his daughter and it is all kind of in the Reach Studios branding, which is my company. But it's also pinned on my Twitter, so if anyone follows me on Twitter, it's there as well. But yeah, if, if anyone is kind enough to help contribute towards our goal on that, it would be very much appreciated. And I'll report back in a couple of weeks on how sore my legs are after that. Because <laughs> 32 kilometers this weekend was very. rough. Yeah, we did we yeah. did 32 kilometers around Edale in a very similar fashion this weekend and I'm still not quite fully recovered and it's two days later. 
<laughs> yeah, I know, Edel. That gets extremely steep in places, doesn't it? Yeah. It was it was the best we could find as a practice route with staying local <laughs> to where we are. So, yeah. That sounds good. That sounds really cool. Sounds um, good. We'll stick a link in the show notes for that as well if you, yeah. if you want to look for it, for sure. Cool. Cool. But, yeah, that is it for this week. So thank you to everyone who has joined us. Um, enjoy the Monaco Grand Prix as best you can. And we'll be back next week to review... Whatever does or maybe doesn't happen. We'll see. Yeah, and Bye, everyone. Preview the next oh. race. Oh, yeah. And the, and oh, the yeah, preview because it's now a double header instead of a triple header. Um, so, yeah, we've got another race to go into. So, yeah, yeah. see you and all also, for that next you, week. Thank, thank you to all of our patrons <laughs> for joining us every week and for um, yeah. supporting us. You make a big difference to us. You, you make this, you know, make it possible for us to even do this. So, we really do appreciate your support. And, um, yeah, thanks to all the people who joined us live for that. So, yeah. And a final so, thank you to everyone who's been subscribing to us on YouTube, because that's yes, new. yes, very important. And if you didn't realise, we are now on YouTube. So search for Back of the Grid on YouTube, and you can see our wonderful faces whilst we talk about this. Instead of just hearing our lovely voices, you can put faces to sounds now. So head to YouTube. <laughs> okay, we can go now. Too. We can go now. Is that enough? Yeah, that's enough. I okay. think we've done it. I think we've covered all. The Bye, bases. everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs>